Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Latest figures this morning: the death toll from the novel coronavirus in mainland China has jumped by 73 to 563. This is the third consecutive record daily rise. Experts are intensifying efforts to find a vaccine for the disease that has shut down Chinese cities and forced thousands more into quarantine around the world. Data still insufficient to fully understand the nature of the novel coronavirus, but the Economist Intelligence Unit is planning to revise. Its economic forecasts on the assumption that the public health emergency within China could come under control by end March. I speak now with Imogen Page Jarrett, research analyst for China at the Economist Intelligence Unit. She is based in Beijing. Imogen, good morning. I wonder if you could share with us a little about our sentiment on the ground in Beijing. Is every cough basically, you know, looked at with fear? Good morning.、Uh, it's very quiet in Beijing. Nobody really on the streets, apart from a few people walking their dogs, which is obviously quite a stark contrast to the normally daily hustle and bustle that we have here. So people really are taking the quarantine measures quite seriously and staying inside. And those who do venture out are all wearing masks. Which is obviously encouraging that everyone is taking the advice very seriously. All right, Imogen, the EIU or Economist Intelligence Unit has four possible scenarios that it says could unfold. I wonder if we could start with your baseline assumption, which assumes that the public health emergency could come under control by end March. Yes, under that assumption, we project that China's real GDP growth in 2020 will reach 5.4 percent. That's 0.5 percentage points lower than our previous forecast before the virus spread rapidly across China and overseas. Economic growth will fall to 4.1 percent in the first quarter of the year, and there will be some lingering negative effects in the second quarter. But it should recover enough in subsequent in subsequent quarters to lift annual growth above five as an annual average. This is assuming that the government will be forthcoming with strong stimulus measures. The authorities will also focus on ensuring labour market and income stability during this difficult time. And probably the first priority will be for the central bank to inject liquidity into the banking sector. And to support companies experience cash flow problems as a result of these very forceful quarantine measures that we're seeing. So your baseline scenario, I understand, you have a 50% probability assigned to this actually unfolding that the health emergency in China is going to be under control by end March. I wonder what is powering that probability, 50%. Yes. So obviously, it's difficult for us to make assumptions, given that we do not have a full picture about the nature of the、uh, coronavirus. But we have studied the latest scientific studies using available data. We have also conducted a comparison with the economic impact that a similar coronavirus, SARS, had on the economy in、uh, 2002 and 2003. But I think a very important factor to consider in all this is the government's response, and that's something we do have quite clear expectations about. So actually, the effectiveness of the quarantine measures will be a large determining factor in when this public health emergency is brought under control. There are a range of estimates among、uh, leading scientists. 
on when it will be possible. So the reason we have assigned 50% to our baseline scenario is that seems to be a consensus among the scientific community. I wonder if you can take us through your three other scenarios. Yeah, so our first scenario is the most positive, and that is that the emergency will be under control by the end of February. And this is driven by a leading respiratory scientist in China, Zhong Nanshan, uh, who is affiliated with Chinese authorities. He said that the outbreak could be could peak within the next 10 days. That would allow them to control it by the end of February. And under this scenario, which we assign a 25% probability, real GDP growth would not be that impacted uh, in 2020. It would still reach 5.7%, which is enough actually for the government to reach its target of doubling income levels over 2010. However, we do encourage businesses to plan for more pessimistic scenarios, including that the emergency cannot be controlled till the end of June. That means the economic impact will be strongly felt in uh, the entire first half of 2020. This scenario, we assign 20% probability and real GDP growth would fall to 4.5% in the year as a whole, as the government would not have as much time to implement stimulus measures to bring economic activity back up. In our nightmare scenario, we only, which we only assign 5% probability, the government would not contain the outbreak in 2020 at all. And under this scenario, we forecast real GDP growth of less than 4.5%. Important to understand that you're assigning a 5% probability to this nightmare scenario, yeah? Yes, that's correct. Of the virus becoming uncontainable. All right, let's move on now to a point uh, I hope to understand. The report says the impact on the economy of the outbreak is said to be deeper than that of SARS. Why is that? Yes, and uh, the reason for that. Uh, is because if we look at the structure of the economy during the SARS outbreak, the external sector played a very important role. And because China had uh, just joined the World Trade Organization in 2001, uh, global demand for Chinese-made goods was increasing at an extremely rapid rate. So once they were able to contain the outbreak, they could use strong export growth to engineer a very robust rebound Uh, in real GDP growth. So if you actually look at the annual figure for 2003, you wouldn't know that anything happened. It's only when you look at the quarterly breakdown that you can see that there was a drop in the, the first quarter. If we look at the economy today, uh, the external sector makes up a a smaller share and private consumption uh, plays a more important role. And we expect that consumption is going to take a hit as consumers put off spending decisions um, and limit their purchases to essential items. And also global demand conditions are a lot more subdued, so it will be more difficult for China to engineer a similar economic recovery. How could the coronavirus affect the global economy? How would a drop in China's GDP impact the global economy? Yes, so again, if we compare to SARS, China now accounts for a much larger percentage of global GDP than it did in 2002. It's so integrated into global supply chains and any drop in industrial output in China is going to have an impact on countries importing those goods and also commodity exporters like Australia that will see a drop in demand for for their exports uh, to China. We also have to think about the travel and tourism sectors, which are probably going to be the hardest hit 
and countries which rely on spending by Chinese tourists are going to see a negative impact. And that unfortunately will include Singapore, but also other countries in in Asia like uh, Thailand, for example. I'm speaking with Imogen Page Jarrett, research analyst for China at the Economist Intelligence Unit. We're looking at four possible scenarios for China's economy in light of the coronavirus outbreak. If we take a sectoral breakdown of the possible impact, Imogen, which uh, sectoral areas are likely to be hardest hit and which other areas would be most likely to recover? So let's start with the possibly hardest hit sectors. Yeah, so the the sectoral impact is going to be broad and negative for most industries. The hardest hit will include travel and tourism, uh, logistics, and also labor-intensive industries like manufacturing. Um, We might also see health and life insurance companies see their costs go up. But in the longer term, they could see some benefit as the public become more aware about the benefits of purchasing insurance. Because Wuhan is an important manufacturing base for key sectors as well, like automotive, steel and biopharmaceuticals, uh, those industries also suffer from disruption to outputs and also um, to logistics chains too. If we take a more positive approach and look at the sectors which might benefit, Pharmaceutical companies uh, will probably see strengthened demand for vaccines and antibiotics. And we've seen three domestic Chinese companies that are working on developing vaccines see their stocks go up strongly. There will also be increased consumer spending on Internet and communication services as people are staying at home. They're shunning bricks and mortar stores for fear of infection. So those online delivery platforms, uh, online entertainment and just Internet services in general, as well as the electronic devices uh, used to access them, uh, may see some benefits. Because of those disrupted logistics chains and Wuhan being a transportation hub, are we expecting a surge in food prices? Yes, well, this is actually a very good question because China's uh, food prices have already surged to a high level in 2019 because of the outbreak of African swine fever. Now, that had a knock-on effect on pork prices, which is a staple of the Chinese diet. So we already were forecasting very high inflation of around 4.6% this year. That was before the outbreak. So obviously now, uh, with these disrupted uh, logistics chains and potentially disrupted agricultural outputs, we're likely to see food prices soar even higher. This means households would have even less space to spend on non-food items while the uh, outbreak continues. If we look at investment sentiment, there seem to be some light at the end of the tunnel after favorable trade discussions between China and U.S. just last month. How could the virus hurt investor confidence and to what extent do you think this impact will be felt? Yes, I believe we had seen some stabilization of uh, investor sentiment after two very turbulent years of the U.S.-China trade war. However, most of those positive effects now have uh, dissipated and there is huge uncertainty surrounding the novel coronavirus. I think this is principally because, one, it's an unknown pathogen that we have not seen before, and two, because China and other national governments have taken very forceful measures. Uh, We've seen some countries even closing the border with China, for example, and this has really created huge volatility in financial markets. I think in terms of investments uh, within China, we also have to consider that 
because companies are going to see a drop in demand, a drop in revenue, while still having to pay out wages to their workers, they're going to be using up capital that they would have otherwise been using to invest in the economy. And also government-led investment, government uh, budgets will be diverted to healthcare spending, and that could also have an impact on infrastructure building this year, for example. I wonder if you can break down the different stimulus options that you're looking at. Yes. So in terms of stimulus options, while the outbreak continues, the government options will be added. But the authorities have already moved to extend deadlines for firms, tax and social security payments, for example. And the central bank is injecting liquidity into the banking market to uh, give space to extend deadlines for companies' debt repayments. And this will hopefully give struggling private firms some uh, space, some breathing room during this difficult time. We believe once the emergency is under control, there will be a, a loosening of monetary and fiscal policy the kind that the government has been reluctant to pursue uh, in the last few years, uh, given concerns about uh, structural issues uh, like high levels of debt in the economy. We will probably see state-owned enterprises be encouraged to buy stock market shares to, to also help uh, private firms' liquidity levels. And the central bank may also look to push down the benchmark one-year loan prime rate to less than 4% this year. Uh, It's currently 4.15%. And then in terms of fiscal policy, the authorities are likely to abandon their traditional budget deficit floor of 3% of GDP. And there will be tax and uh, fee cuts for firms. And to stabilise household consumption, we'll probably see subsidies uh, for the purchase of selected goods like uh, household appliances, for example. And there will probably also be a loosening in the the property market on a city-by-city basis, uh, which will be a partial reversal of the existing tight controls on property prices. So I understand the EIU is looking to trim your goods and services export forecast from 1.7. I wonder if you can share a little on the possible impact on regional supply chains. We know that Hubei is home to biopharmaceutical manufacturing industries and Wuhan is an important regional transport hub. Help us uh, understand how the virus risks damaging regional supply chains. Yeah, Hubei is an important space for automotive, biopharmaceutical, steel, and also electronics manufacturing. So if we look at Southeast Asian countries, electronics and raw materials like steels are are big imports from China. So any disruption to industrial output is going to have a knock-on effect on them. In terms of logistics as well, Wuhan is a major spot for shipping along the Yangtze River, um, and it's also a aviation hub too. So we might see delays in shipping schedules, increased transportation costs and stricter inspections out of this severely affected region. So I think companies will see delays to their shipments. It might be difficult to get products to market. And something interesting to consider is we've seen stories about manufacturers considering leaving China for alternatives in Southeast Asia, given the uh, 
uncertainty from the U.S.-China trade war and also rising labor costs in China. Mm -hmm. So what we might see now is some of those companies that were previously on the fence about whether to stay in China or leave, they might be, be pushed over to the other side of the fence because of the coronavirus outbreak and actually take the plunge to move more of their manufacturing activity out of China and to other Southeast Asian countries. Thank you so much for the extensive uh, look at the four scenarios for China's economy. Imogen Page Jarrett there, research analyst for China at the Economist Intelligence Unit. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. Download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.